0: Presented by Pirelli Tires Fly Racing Blends All Racing Motor Oil Works Connection Plum Creek Funding 612 Suspension Fast Foundry And Pro Glow there until they forced the Happy 4th of July, everybody. This is the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is obviously July 4th. And we're going to talk about what we saw at Redbud on Saturday. Hope everybody's enjoying the weekend. It's nice to uh, have a bit of an extended weekend. And uh, even if you're not out and about or doing crazy things today, at least just kind of getting caught up a little bit is is just nice. So I'm I'm personally enjoying that very much. And uh, looking forward to talking about the race. So what do we see? Uh, We saw Jet Lawrence have all sorts of issues with his motorcycle in that first moto. That's a really tough break. Um, I mean, what can you say? It's not his fault, right? He's winning the race. He moved to the front, was doing literally everything right. And you started to see, like, the first cue for me was I saw him look down. And I didn't see the bike smoking before that. So maybe it was. I just wasn't. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. But I saw him look down. and I'm like, that's, that's bad. Because typically that's a noise. He heard something. Uh, he heard a grinding noise or he heard, uh, you know, if the if the engine's getting really hot, it'll start making just some metallic sounds as the, the engine starts expanding. So you could tell he knew something was going on. Uh, very unlikely that he knew exactly what was going on, but it's a, that's a scary feeling. And the entire time that he was going around the track and the bike was smoking and uh, you're just waiting for the other shoe to kind of drop... I don't, <clears throat> I wasn't 100% positive it was gonna blow up before the, the engine, or excuse me, before the moto ended because how many times have we seen in the last few years these four strokes just smoking like crazy and they make it to the finish. Um, the, these four strokes are so resilient when it comes to things going wrong compared to what we used to see with two strokes out. They were just, you know, the pistons would seize all the time. So I wasn't 100% convinced that it was a done deal but as it started to get worse and worse quickly, then you're like, there's just too long. Like, there's too much left in this race, and, and it's deteriorating very quickly. Um, and, and then it transitioned to me into just please don't hurt yourself. Like, you, You are the, you know, foremost up... Uh, superstar that's kind of upcoming and, and rising through the ranks right now. You're the defending national champion and, and you're defending supercross champion and everything's in front of you. Like, please don't hurt yourself right here because your bike fails at the wrong second. So thankfully, it kind of let go coming out of my, the exit of the corner. It was safe. Nothing went wrong other than, you know, obviously the points and the frustration and all those things. But I, I was really concerned that uh, that he was going to hurt himself there. And I was kind of holding my breath for a lap or two, just like, please, please, please let this kid get off the track safely. Um, So thankfully he did. Now, on an entertainment level, you know, once he was able to safely exit the race track, it adds a lot to the championship. You know, Hunter takes the red plate, which we'll talk about. And the series is wide open now because the gap really between those two has been really narrow. You know, Jet's been making up points before this weekend, but it had been small increments. It hadn't been a blown open series, even though Jet had won the first four rounds. That—that's the crazy part is Jet was four for four on overall wins, but the points were still pretty tight. So it was a little bit of a—I um, don't want to say a misnomer because Jet had the championship lead and had won all four rounds, but it wasn't. You know, in most series, if, if you had a guy that had won four rounds in a row, you'd think he had this really big points lead. That's not really the case. Like, the the series has been much tighter than four wins in a row would indicate. So, Hunter has to be thrilled, right? Even though he didn't make the most of the day, which you could definitely, if you wanted to find fault in Hunter's day, you could say, well, man, like, in those moments, you've got to go win both motos, you know? And I think he was having some sort of issue in the first moto with his engine as well. Thankfully it, it was able to make it all the way. But the second moto, like you've got, I think you just have to get it done in that scenario. You know, like you have to take advantage of these opportunities and and go win. You can't assume that you have the overall in hand and that Shimoda is too far back and and all these things. Like you've got to make the most of any opportunity where Jet has a problem. It doesn't have to be an engine failure. It could just be an off day for Jet. You've got to win on those days. Like if you want to be, and I've talked about this on this podcast and other shows, this specific point is if you want to beat Jet in a championship, you can't let any open door, you know, be left vacant. Like you, if, if the door's open and there's even a crack in the door, you've got to blaze your way through there. You just have to. That's the only way you're going to be able to get it done against somebody that's as good as Jet. And I want to say as consistent as Jet because that bike failing him was not his fault, right? I think most of us would agree that if that bike doesn't fail in the first moto, he goes 1-1 on the day. Like, I don't think that's a stretch at all to say that. So there are going to be more of those days, you know, and we're we're going to attract next weekend at Southwick where Hunter went 1-1 last year and he could very well be, the best guy again this year. Now he's going to have to contend with Jet. Jet knows how to ride sand. I've seen Jet race in the sand for years, and he's very, very good at it. So I don't know who wins between those two, but it'll likely be a battle again. But these days, where Jet's not at his best, or he has an issue, or he runs into trouble. Hunter's got to be at his best. Like you have to, if you're Hunter, you have to be self-aware in those moments and say, okay, now's the time. Like I've got to assemble my best effort right here and put my best foot forward and go attack this because I need those points. I need to make every single point count when the door is open. And that's, that's the only fault I can really point to with him is he's had the little tip overs. He's made too many mistakes. And when Jet has given him opportunity, he hasn't made the absolute most of it. Now he's done. Okay. I don't want to seem like I'm coming down on Hunter, but I'm specifically speaking to him becoming champion in this class. I've seen this scenario play out time and time again. I have watched Chad Reed go through it with Carmichael and Stewart and all these guys where Chad wasn't as good as those guys. He was right in the mix. He would win on occasion, and he was in the championship battle. But if he didn't win on the nights where the door was open, where Stu or Ricky or somebody made a mistake, if he didn't go win, he paid dearly for it later on because that elite guy he was battling was going to have so many wins that on the night, and they're just going to be unbeatable on a lot of nights. So that's kind of what I see the same situation developing with jet and Hunter is if Hunter wants to get it done, you can't mess around on the days where you have an opportunity to make up points. You just have to be your best. And even if it's mid moto, like where, you know, if jet has a bike failure in that first moto, you can't allow Shimoto to beat you. And, and, and I'll, I'll, Go easy on that because maybe there was some you know maybe Hunter was dealing with a bike problem as well, so maybe he had to back it down, but if there wasn't if the if his engine was fine, you've got to beat Shimoda. you can't give away that you know can't give away those those three points there so anyway, that's just kind of my synopsis on how that championship's playing out, speaking of Shimoda uh, and he's great, right uh, He should be very proud of the effort that he put in on Saturday, you know he gets his first overall win. He overcomes a ton of adversity in that second moto. And remember, he was down with Hampshire and Justin Cooper, and he was kind of the last one to get going there, and he still was able to get all the way to third in that second moto. Like, that's just a tremendous ride, uh, tremendous resiliency. uh, Just great job by him, right? He had a bent rotor, which he was dealing with as well, that was probably distracting him. He's probably stressing about, you know, if it locks up or does something stupid, him doing a front flip. Um, but yeah, he's just overcome all, he overcame all that and, uh, gets his first overall win. So good for him. He's been trying for a long time and there's been a lot of doubters. I have not always been, uh, the biggest supporter of Joe Shimoda. Like I don't have a reason to be a naysayer, but I've seen so many mistakes over the years that I kind of always just shrug my shoulders as far as taking him seriously in any of these, uh, championship battles. So, Nice, nice job from him. Happy for him and Nick Way and uh, Mitch Payton and the whole team. They put in a ton of work and really haven't been rewarded for it. So it's nice to kind of see that come around a little bit. Uh, Justin Cooper, not, that's just not it, right? Um, first moto just didn't seem to have the pace to be up front, you know, where he's expected to be, where he's paid to be. Um, that, that's not really the rider that's, that's been a championship contender in that first moto, and that was kind of the same guy at high point as well. And then the second moto, he was trying to get to the front, so I'll give him some credit there. Like, you could see him pushing on that first lap, and he ends up going down. I think he collided with Hampshire is what ended up happening there. You could kind of see it in the, right in the background, if you're paying attention, like in the back of the screen. They're not focused on them; They're focused on uh, the battle at the front, but just behind that, you kind of see the angles that Hampshire and Cooper are coming for, and they're about to collide. So that made life a lot worse. For Justin Cooper on the day and then he just wasn't able to really rally Um, he did come through the pack some I'll give him credit wasn't disastrous but if you want to have any shot at making this championship even close those motos you got to come back to like third like Shimoda did you have to that's what it's going to take you have to be able to overcome anything that's thrown at you especially when you have a 40 point deficit that you're dealing with it and we're not even halfway so all is not lost. It just hasn't been a great start to the season for Justin Cooper. RJ Hampshire, I mean, that was better. You know, like the the second moto, I thought he rode his butt off to get to sixth. And the first moto was a fourth. So, you know, keep in mind, he's won this round the last two years. Uh, so we knew he would be fast. We knew he would be pretty good at this race. And I guess four, six is reasonable. You know, I'm sure he was hoping for more than that. And it would be... I think understandable to be hoping for more than that. But when you look at the situation coming off, you know, this injury that he's been dealing with plus a pretty big crash in the second mode of these almost last uh, to go for sixes. Uh, yeah. could be a lot worse than that. It has been a lot worse than that. Several motos this year for uh, several overalls this year for RJ. So we'll see what RJ's got for Southwick. You know, he grew up in the sand. He should be very comfortable at Southwick and uh, I could see him, vying for a podium next weekend. Doesn't mean it's going to happen because you look at the guys that are up there, you got Hunter and Jet, which speak for themselves, and then all these other guys that are all going to think that they belong on the podium too. So it's certainly going to take his best day, I think, to get up there right now, but I do think on a track like Southwick that he's capable of it. Speaking of podium, uh, Styles Robertson, like to me, he was invisible and he ends up on the podium overall, right? I wasn't, I I guess part of that is I'm only shown what I can see on TV, you know, so whatever, if they don't focus on styles a lot during the moto, I'm probably going to feel like he is invisible during the day, but I should probably be paying attention to the leaderboard and all those things more. But like when I saw him getting third overall, it's kind of like, oh, wow. Like I I didn't see that coming. But when you have Cooper have issues and all these things go on jets, bike breaks, yeah, the door, the door's open, right? I've been talking about this that situation the whole podcast when the doors open it's like who's gonna who's gonna make the most of it who is going to seize that opportunity and step up you know you don't have to go win or you don't and you don't have to really like blow everybody away to have a really good day you just have to be consistently fast and strong and get good starts and guess what things work out in your favor just like they did for sales robertson so good for him it's been a long time coming. It hasn't been an easy road for Styles. Um, I think he is, I think he's switching to Monster Star Yamaha for next year. So, you know, he will have a great opportunity over there next year as well. But it's, it's been tough. Uh, you know, I think he had pretty high expectations from him, for himself and from the team. Um, you know, I was more of kind of a wait and see because he was, in the, he was lumped in with this huge group of guys moving up. But podiums like that and outdoors go a long way to uh, reassuring sponsors that, yeah, this is, this is worth continuing to invest into Uh time master pool. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty good day. Eight, eight, right? He was, he looked like he was on his way to doing much better than that. But if you remember, if you go back to red bud in 2020, he was on monster star Yamaha. He almost won this race. I had him on my fantasy team. He was like fastest qualifier. Like he, he led a ton of the race, so, to see him riding well at this track is not that shocking. Uh, I, I was more like, okay, how long is he going to be able to hang in here? And, and he did fade. He ended up getting eighth. Like, we know all that. But still, that's that's still a great ride from him. 8-8 eight, eight on the day as kind of a privateer effort. Like, he is not with the AEO team anymore. And he's kind of doing it on his own. So, that's a good day, man. He should be proud of that. And maybe he can use that as kind of a springboard to get better results from there. Because... A lot of this for these kids is confidence. You know, you, you come off of the best team in racing, results-wise anyway, which is Monster Star Yamaha, you know, arguably the best bike. Most people would, have, would think it's the strongest engine anyway. And then you go to a more privateer-level effort, and it just doesn't work. Like, it hasn't worked, and it, that's, I feel like that's fair criticism. So to see some sort of success come back into this, the storyline, uh, that's certainly good news for, uh, for the Masterpool family. The last note I have here is on Michael Moseman. And I don't know what he was doing out there. Like, if you've watched Moseman this year, he's been incredibly fast. He's been in the mix to be, like, the moto winner or podium guy each time he's been out there when he hasn't been on the ground. And Saturday at Redbud just was not that level. Like, he didn't qualify well. He didn't get good starts. He didn't have the pace. Like, it just wasn't there. It just was not the type of day that Michael Moseman has had for, you know, going... That was the fifth round. Through four rounds, he was a much better rider than he showed that he was at Red Bud. So, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and just say it was a one-off day. Like, everybody has bad days. It happens to everybody. So, let's just assume it was a bad day and, and watch for a bounce back at Southwick because he has been fast. Like, that's one thing you can't say about Mosman this year is he's not been on the pace. He just looked like he wasn't on the pace at Red Bud And that to me, that was a little bit of like a, an outlier type day. Um, so I'm going to assume that something was going on with him or the bike or something. Uh, starts were not good either. So that didn't certainly didn't help anything. I just was a little bit more taken aback by the lack of pace when I was uh, kind of watching him in the middle of the field, right? Cause normally he would move up. He would be able to pass guys. If he was in tenth, he would move forward and he wasn't kind of just kind of wasn't doing that. So take a second to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Of course, Pirelli tires, um, you know, they have that great scoop tire that Antonio Cairoli was using to, uh, to grab hole shots in the 450 class. And, of course, in MXGP, all those guys rip starts with it all the time. Uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. And, you know, I, I think they're still trying to break down the door to where people think or, or, or associate how good of a product it is. Like, if you go to Europe, if you go to MXGP, everyone assumes that you know that Pirelli tires are the best. Everybody uses Pirelli. Everybody buys Pirelli. Almost all of the factory teams use Pirelli. And it's just a foregone conclusion. Like, it's not even really a topic of conversation because there's nothing to really talk about. Then you come to America and everybody's like, eh, like Dunlop, this and that. And and, and I think I've had Europeans ask me a lot, like, why don't more people use Pirelli in America? Like, what's the difference? And I don't really know. It could be marketing. It could be... Uh, dealer participation, you know, whatever it is, there's just a cultural difference there. But I could not recommend Pirelli tires any higher. Um, I've used them for years. And uh, I think especially for outdoor motocross, which is what all of you that are listening to this do for the most part, I could not think of a better tire to put on your bike than a Pirelli tire. So check those out. Uh, Guts Racing, thank you to Andy, Greg, and the team over there. Go get some custom graphics made. Get that RJ Wide Wing seat like Dean Wilson uses. Uh, styles, Robertson uses guts racing on the podium this past weekend and, uh, just a great company grassroots. Um, and yeah, just a great product as well. So check out guts racing plum Creek funding. And it's tough out there right now. The housing industry is getting really challenging. Um, and if you are in a spot where you're looking to need to do, you need to buy a house. Like if you're going to be a first time home buyer and you don't really have a choice, I would recommend reaching out to plum Creek funding ASAP because it's tougher than ever. You know, if, if we went back a year ago, year and a half ago, you could pretty much go anywhere you wanted and get an incredibly great rate and it, you didn't even have to put any thought into it because rates were so low, everybody was offering the best deal in the market. You could get a 15, you could get a 30, you could do whatever you wanted and your rate was literally at an all-time low in the history of America. Now we're reversing course, we're going up, we're in the fives, we're probably going over 6%, it's getting expensive. Like If you ever want to scare yourself a little bit as a home buyer, get a mortgage calculator and start ramping up the interest rate and see how much that affects you, not only monthly, but over the course of your loan, like amortize that out over 30 years and see what kind of damage that does to your pocketbook. It's, it's wild. Um so yeah, you're you're going to need advice. You're gonna need the the best and most up-to-date that and that's a big thing right now because things are changing very quickly. You need to know your options. You know, if you're doing a jumbo loan, there's different rates and different options and different policies and all kinds of things. Um so every situation is a little bit different, it's it's more critical than ever. I've kind of been warning about this. If you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me say you have to act soon because these types of deals are going away. Well, we're we're there. You know, that, that time frame that I was warning about, we're here and we're only going higher. Uh, you know, I, at some point, the, the rates will reverse. At some point, that, that's not going to be a f- for a while and there's no telling when that'll be. You know, we're we'll go, we'll probably going into recession. Things are going to get really tough. Housing prices are going to come down as interest rates go up. That's just the natural kind of pendulum effect. And you just need to have the most information available to you. So reach out to Zach at Plum Creek Funding. Uh, his phone number is 720-212-4685. Uh, it's a great way to get hold of him. Or you can check out Plum Creek Funding on Instagram as well. Fast Foundry, uh, they've been working with a lot, of, uh, a lot of startups and a lot of uh, you know, small business type stuff. Trying, They've been doing some virtual events. They've really been working to try to help these companies because that same concept that I was speaking about where interest rates are going up, that affects small business too. Cost of capital is one of the most difficult challenges that businesses face if you're in debt right most businesses take on debt at some point as a natural process of business that's just how things work whether you're needing to buy inventory or you have to buy you have to build out infrastructure or you need to buy uh space to put people in like it's just a part of it debt is a natural part of the business cycle for most companies even the most The largest companies and most successful companies in the world have bond debt, right? They take on debt through bonds that they will repay over time. This is just how it goes. So, what I would suggest is reaching out to a company like Fast Foundry and find out how they can make all of that more efficient for you, right? You want to, you don't want to have, you want to trim all the fat, make your business as obviously as productive and successful as possible, but also find out like where can you be more efficient? Do I need all this excess? Um, like, is there a better software that we could be running on some sort of platform that we could be running on that could cut out some of our HR spending? Like, there's a lot of different ways that a company like Fast Foundry can, they can just give you ideas, right? And that's that's really what I like about a lot of these sponsors. It's not like, hey, yeah, just go buy this product, right? And there's some of that. I get it. Like, that's that's how business is done. But helping you and providing ideas and solutions is a much better to me, that's a much better concept. A solution is a much better concept than just saying, oh, here's what you need to buy, go buy it, and, and done, right? It's just a one and done kind of transaction. I would rather, you know, if you're, if you're going to take anything away from these podcasts, learn something, not necessarily for me, I'm not the expert, but reach out to these companies who are the experts and find out how they can help you solve a problem that's going to save you crazy amounts of money down the road. Uh, Works Connection, Pro Launch Start Device, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but factory Honda runs those things and yeah, they're just ripping starts like nobody's business. Monster Star Yamaha runs those and yeah, they rip starts every single race. So it's not a huge surprise that they're at the front. Um, that, that pro launch start device has, is tried and true. It's why the teams choose to use it. They can choose, they can use anything they want, right? They could build their own if they really wanted to. That's how Honda back in the day, um, Yamaha, they back in the day, they built their own. Now they just trust Works Connection to build them for them. So I I watched Yamaha build them. I saw the the handmade ones that they had back in the day. So they have the capabilities of doing it, but yet they choose to uh, rely on Works Connection. So maybe you should too. ProGlow, use the promo code MOTO15. Ryan Humphrey and the crew over there are working on new products. They have the uh, ProGlow wash that's out now and I could not recommend that any higher. It's great for side-by-side quad, dirt bikes, anything that's PowerSports related where you have dirt, grime, chain lube residue. All the things that PowerSports, you know, we face that your average person that doesn't know anything about motorcycles has probably never had to deal with. So great, they can go get Simple Green or whatever. We need to be using stuff by ProGlow because it actually works and it's formulated for these types of chemicals and the types of dirt. That we're trying to wash off so use that promo code moto15 and get yourself some Pro Glow wash Grantstone boots uh i haven't got to wear them this weekend it's been pretty hot here in boise uh, but maybe tonight maybe for fourth of july i'll get to break out my Grantstone boots but what a great product um, i was watching youtube this morning and uh, saw a grantstone ad and i'm just blown away when i look at their products and watching that company start from basically nothing you know this tiny company And Wyatt and the team over there, what they've built and what kind of the trajectory of where it's going. Um, I I could see them, sky's the limit, right? I could see them getting bought out by some gigantic, uh, you know, shoe company at some point. Like, they just have such a great product. And uh, I have a ton of their their boots in my closet. And every time I go in there, I'm just, like, staring at them, wondering which one I should wear. So, thank you to them. Check out Grandstone Boots and uh, get yourself some. Fly racing, of course, as we know, it's where I work. Uh, i 've been a part of that team i 've been working there for ten years and i 've worn it for a lot longer than that and uh yeah we have uh we 'll have some um some cool products for Southwick coming up so we 'll launch a new set of gear uh l e gear for this coming weekend so that 'll be exciting um I always love the l e launch weeks just because it 's something new it 's a new color for people to look at and see and wear and we get some uh some focus on the brand so so that 'll be exciting so check that out and uh, yeah let 's get into it so we 'll get back to the power rankings for the 450 class, and not huge changes this week. A little bit, but I don't. I didn't see a lot of reason to make, you know, significant changes. Um, so at number ten, I still have Shane McElrath, and he didn't have a great day. You know, he was s- similar to like how I felt about Styles Robertson, although you know he didn't get a podium. But I didn't see a lot of him. You know, like the TV didn't focus on him. I didn't notice him in the results column. There wasn't really anything shocking to kind of think about. You know, like what? It wasn't bad. I just, there's not a lot to talk about. Like he's kind of running around 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Um, But it's just not exciting, right? I, I would have thought that you would see McElrath like ripping hole shots, that he's a really good starter. We just kind of haven't seen that so far, so maybe, maybe that's the key. If he can get those top five starts, then maybe he can do a little bit better than you know. Because we've seen flashes of it, right? At at Fox Raceway one, like he was killing it. Like I think he got seventh, like beating Jason Anderson in uh, the second moto, so or the first moto, like it's pretty impressive. Um, so that's kind of what I want to see more of from McElrath. Number nine, I have AP. And uh decent day, not spectacular. Like I really thought there was a chance he would have a breakout after the second moto pace he was showing at high point, but it just kind of didn't it didn't happen, right? It just didn't show up. And it wasn't a terrible day by any means. It just like for KTM, they're they're paying the guy like a million dollars, okay? And that I'm I'm using round numbers. It could be 850, it could be 975, but it's somewhere around that number, okay? It's a lot of money. And KTM is very serious about winning. They don't really care about much other than winning. They're very driven and singularly focused on being number one. So for Plessinger, that creates a difficult dynamic because with Webb out and you have Dungey who's making this comeback tour, which is awesome, but they didn't, I don't think they expected Dungey to win or anything. So you've got all this money being funneled into Plessinger and he's not performing, he's not even in the conversation of winning right he's not even a thought to be winning right now so I don't know that he's feeling a lot of pressure but I could understand if Roger's kind of side-eyeing him like dude come on we need more we need more out of you than this and I'm sure AP understands like I'm sure he feels probably the same way and uh, we'll just have to see if he can find find that level he's got a couple months left this season to kind of uncork that we know the speed's there we've seen it we've seen it too many times to just believe that he can't do it so we'll see what uh what he can come up with. Savachi, what an incredible first moto. Uh qualifying was great, you know, so maybe we should have known something was coming from him, but he was so solid in that first moto. Like he was catching Tomac at the beginning and then he kind of checked out on Roxon there for a while. I was just impressed, thoroughly impressed with that first moto all the way around. Speed, start, fitness, confidence, um the whole package. Just Great, great job from Joey. I'm sure he had to feel ecstatic about it. Um, it had to be such a confidence booster to realize, like, I think he's very confident in himself, but that positive reinforcement that I can do this and I just showed everybody that I can do this, it goes a long way. And it, you know, for, like, Monster Energy Kawasaki, it's like, damn, that was awesome. Like, we, we made the right decision here putting you on this team. For us, even for fly racing, like we had to go sign him to an outdoors deal, like it's per race, and that makes us feel great, right? Like we we kind of had to step up and create more budget for him, and it's paying off. Like he is doing exactly what we hoped he would be doing. So, great job by Joey Savacchi, Ryan Dungey. I don't know that I've seen Ryan Dungey take chances like he was at Redbud, and of course, in a long time. I haven't seen him race in six years, but even when he was racing back then, like go find a time where he was pushing the envelope like he was on Saturday, like jumping over people's heads, getting out of shape because he was pushing really hard. Um, so I, I give him a lot of credit for taking chances. Uh, that's not his style. He's normally calm, cool, collected, in control, no mistakes, and that's typically been good enough for him, right? Not to be Villapoto at times, but to be on the podium, to win a lot, he's been able to ride within his comfort zone. Well, this pace now at 32 years old, and these guys are really going fast, you can see he's having to get out of that comfort zone. He's having to really take chances that I don't think he wants to. I don't think he enjoys taking those chances. But guess what, man? Like If you want to do well in this class, there's, there are very few guys that can do it without taking a lot of chances. Tomac would be one. Um, you could argue Sexton as well, but Sexton crashes a lot, and crashing is typically from pushing the envelope. So kudos to Dungey. Um It's impressive. It's impressive for him to be willing to take those chances at this point in his, in his life and in his career. Number six is Christian Craig. Invisible day. He, he fell into that McElrath-type day where it was not horrible. There's nothing to complain about. Um, he's just racking up more points on the season. What I would like to see from Christian is getting a really good start and show us what he's capable of. I want to see him kind of do what Savacci did in that first moto. And he's done that, right? Fox Raceway, he was really great. He was solid at Hangtown as well. So we know it's there. I don't have any... There's no disappointment at all when I talk about Christian. I just think there's more in the tank, and I think it's going to take those starts to kind of unleash it. On the tracks where... If they aren't perfect for him. You know, if we get to, like, these Red Bud and we go to Southwick and then back to Millville. Millville's a good track for him because he spent a lot of time there. But let's say this weekend and then going to Southwick, I don't think he can start 10th or 12th and get to third. That's, these, these aren't ideal tracks for him. Now, if it was at Fox Raceway, I would say, yeah, he can do that. But these tracks, he's going to have to nail the start to put himself in the best position because then I think he can hang in there. I do. I think he can stay third. I just don't think he can come from 12th to third because to do it, you'd have to pass guys like Dungy, Anderson, Roxon, you know, all these guys, like super legit guys. Right. And that's, that's the rub. That's the tough part. I think he's, he's competent and capable of staying ahead of them, but moving ahead of them is a different conversation and much, much tougher to accomplish. So to me, that's really just a disconnect. If you wanted to find any fault or something like, hey, we got to be better in this one specific spot, it's first lap positioning on tracks that aren't really your best. Doesn't mean he's not good at them, but everybody has tracks that are better for you and a little bit less right advantageous and disadvantageous, right? So the ones where you know you don't shine at, you've got to nail all the details. Like you can't, you can't get a bad start because you're already at a track that you don't do that well at anyway. You know, so you're going to need every little extra percent of probability to do better. So that's just kind of what I see from CC. But I, he's been great. Like, I don't think you can say anything bad about the season. I'm just talking about if, you want, if he wants to be at his best and really maximize his results, that's what it's going to take. Number five is Justin Barsha. What a turnaround day. I mean, unbelievable. Like If you guys watched you know, time qualifying, he was way off. And I don't know if it was like the same thing that Mosman was dealing with, like if they both went in the same direction with their bike and it just wasn't good, because both of them are way off in time qualifying, but Barsha flipped the script by getting both hole shots, and he started on the very inside gate, which I don't know how anybody leaves the very inside gate open, this happened at Motocross of Nations in 2018 as well, but I knew Barsha qualified poorly, and I kind of wanted to see where he was going to end up on the gate because most people were in the middle. And then, bam, there he is on the very inside. So, kudos to him. Kudos to, to Will Hahn and the team for identifying an opportunity. I just don't know how that's there. I, I, don't, I don't really get it. Um, but there, then again, Moseman tried it in the second 250 moto, and it didn't work at all. So, the key there is you've got to get the jump and you've got to, you got to have a very fast motorcycle so you can take advantage of that good jump, but Barsha knows what he's doing. Like he's, he's a seasoned pro veteran that knows like, hey, if I'm gonna be on the very inside gate, I've gotta get out my bars and shoulders ahead of the guy next to me, and then I've gotta absolutely drag race in a straight line where I've got to get the shortest distance, right? So he's got that edge, but I've gotta use every ounce of power and torque in this bike to get me there. And if I can get there in line with everybody else, Perfect, because I'm gonna just tuck inside right here, and I'm dialed. And yeah, it's it's a tried and true method. He knew exactly what he's doing. It's not as easy as that sounds, but if you can execute, you see the results. You see, he he was first. He was like first and second or whatever, um, both motos. So good job by him. That's that's the way. If you want to turn around a day where things aren't going your way, that's how you get it done. Ken Roxon at four and. A decent day, right? I mean, he gets to the lead again, which he's so damn good at. He is just unbelievable on that first lap. Like, nothing I've ever seen. And I don't know that we'll ever see anything like that again. He can pass anybody and everybody on the first lap, man. It's just it's just wild. Um, his fast twitch like ability to where he can go from zero to his absolute best level in 10 seconds is... It's crazy. I have never seen anything quite like it. So... Not a bad day, not a great day. Um, you know, he doesn't uh, doesn't get, you know, I'm sure the the results he's looking for, like he wants to be winning. You could see that second moto, he was suffering. And that's kind of what we were worried about is, can he withstand week after week after week of racing? And remember, he had a weekend off. So I would have thought he would have come in here pretty fresh, but that second moto, he didn't look, he didn't look fresh. So it was a little bit unnerving. We'll see, Right. Southwick, to me, will be critical because he's great in the sand, but he needs to send a message at Southwick and say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like Everything's good. Like I didn't have a great moto. Things happen, but I'm still here. That's what I think he needs to show us at Southwick. If it goes down this path again where he's suffering late in the moto and he's dropping back, then I'm, I'm just going to have to resort back to what everybody's been saying. Like, What has the critique been? Great at the beginning of the series, Starts falling off through the middle and gets worse at the end. That's been what everybody said for a couple years now, and they have reason to. The results have borne that out. So it's not like anybody's making things up to be hypercritical, but I just want to see if we're going to see it again because Kenny's kind of pushed back on it and said, I'm going to fight against that. I'm going to, you know, so I'm sure he wants to, but if your body is letting go and he has no fight left at the end of the second moto, guess what? You end up in eighth. That's just kind of what happened. So we'll see. Jury's still out, but that was a little bit a little bit of the wrong direction, right? If you're, if you're wondering how that would play out, you, get, you had some pretty scary signals being sent there in the second moto. Number three, Jason Anderson, kind of an up and down day, right? Um, I didn't think it was bad, but at the same time, the question coming into the series was can he sustain that same level that we saw in Supercross, where he win? He's like a seven race winner in Supercross. At the, at many rounds, he was, inarguably, the best guy. That's what we wanted to see in outdoors. And Dan, damn sure got it done at Hangtown. He wins the overall. So, kudos for that. Good job. But, him being able to replicate that week in and week out, where he's able to win, and be the best guy, and show Tomac the fast way around the track and avoid the mistakes. That's maybe the most critical is avoiding the mistakes. That's what you could say cost him the Supercross championship. He hasn't been able to do that. It's been a lot of speed, but also a lot of mistakes, right? He crashes at high point. He crashes on the start at Fox Raceway. Um, it's just been those little things that have really held him back. And again, that's why I don't even know what, how many points he's down, 60 or something. That's how you end up a ton of points down. Is because of the little things like that. They just add up, just like they did in Supercross. You don't pay attention, you're like, oh yeah, Anderson had a bad night. And then a couple weeks later, oh, Anderson had a bad night. And then he wins. And then he has a, you know, gets a second or whatever. But then a month down the road, you look at the points, you're like, how the hell did Anderson get 30 points down? You know, and that's that's where it is. It's those bad nights. They add up quickly if you're facing guys that don't have that variance in their results. And that's that's what you're dealing with Tomac and Sexton right now. They're up there every single time. And if they make a mistake, guess what? They overcome it, and they're right back to the front. So I don't. that's not a knock on Anderson. This has been a great year for him. Uh, nothing bad to say, but that was the question, right? If, if he was going to be champion in this motocross class, that's what he had to kind of fix, and I just don't kind of see it. And I don't think he would have a lot of argument I don't think he would be mad about that or anything like I think he is proud of the effort he's put in this year he got his first win ever this year um, I'm just looking at it on a big picture level where if you're Kawasaki and you're like man I think we can win I think we can be we can get Jason Anderson to win this motocross championship that's where the gap is I think is just it's the same story it's those same mistakes that just add up over time and he'll battle back and he'll have a great moto and you are be like nope he's figured it out and then Nope, not quite. He'll have another bad weekend where he goes 4-8, just like he did at Fox Raceway. And it doesn't seem like you did a ton of damage there. But when you get Sexton that goes 1-1, puts a 50-point score on the board, and Anderson goes 4-8, that's, what, 18, 27 points? You gave up 23 points in the first round. Like, that's brutally difficult to overcome when you have guys that are on the podium just relentlessly like Tomac and Sexton are. So, unsurprisingly at number two, I have Chase Sexton and he is your points leader. It's down to seven. But he's he looks I don't want to say there's cracks in the armor, because he still looks fantastic. But Tomac is making his life very difficult with the way he's coming on right now. So if you're Sexton, I think you've gotta you've gotta be perfect. And and that's easy to say, and for me who <laughs> I had nothing of the career and i'm just you know analyzing this stuff now um but that still rings true if you're going to beat tomac from here on out you have to be aiming for perfection because tomac is only getting better and that's the scary part if tomac was giving you opportunity if he was crashing out if he was having weirdo motos if he was getting bad starts which he's not anymore you could be like oh, i'm going to i'm going to have my chance i just got to hang in there I got to be good on my days, and then on my on my bad days, just not quite, you know, I just got need to get second. I don't know that that's going to get it done. Like, I think if you're going to beat Tomac in this motocross championship, you've gonna, you're just going to have to take it to him, and you're going to have to prove that you're better than him. I don't know that there's going to be another way to, to do it. I just don't see that happening. He's not giving those points away like, you know, Sexton would want. He's going to make life hard. Um, he's just looser. His attitude is better. He's more comfortable in his own skin. I think he's happier with the bike and the team and all those things. Those all add up to a really lethal package that Sexton's going to have to face. And give him credit. We're going into the halfway point. He's he's been doing it. He is your points leader. But I think the challenge in the second half is going to be tougher than it was in the first half. Because remember, like Fox Raceway wasn't good at all for Tomek. That was a really bad day. And Sexton went 1-1, right? So that's kind of the the big difference, like if you're looking over the first half of the season, that's been the difference was that first round. Ever since then, it's either been they've been very close or tomac has been better. Um, so that's that's kind of how I surmise it. So clearly at number one, uh, Tomac is the guy, right? He's your Supercross champion. He just went 1-1 at Red Bud, and he's going into a track at Southwick that he's typically very good at. He's very strong. He did, he did suck in the first moto there last year. I don't know what he was doing. I think maybe both motos. But I think that was kind of the story of his whole season last year, so I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, I expect more of what we've seen. You know, you look at his starts that really come around. Speed is there. Fitness has never been in question. His confidence looks to be at an all-time high. Like, he's so sure of himself, and he's allowing his personality to come out because of that. All of those combined is is a really really scary proposition for, for everybody to uh, to face. Um, so he's been my, my championship pick all along, and I don't see any real reason to back off of that. Even though he's not even in the lead, um, I just think he's he's firing on all cylinders right now. So we'll see. The other uh, gentleman I wanted to name here as an honorable mention was Marshall Welton. I what a ride! Like he's killing it. He jumped on that twisted T Suzuki. And he's putting in the best results of his career. So everybody that wanted to point to the Suzuki and say, yeah, the bike sucks. That's why Hartraft and Bogle and these guys aren't doing anything. Well, you're probably having to eat those words right now watching Welton because he's doing better than he's ever done in his life. And he's beating the full-time guys on that team. And he's beating factory guys. Like That's really, really impressive. So I don't know Marshall at all. I don't even know that I've ever talked to him. Um, but I'm very impressed by his effort. I, I love when people are given a chance, given an opportunity, and they make the most of it. That, that To me, that is very difficult to do because you get all this added pressure um, and you have to jump onto a bike that you're not used to mid-season and all these variables and all these things. And you could even say the Suzuki is not up to par, so it's not even like it's he got this upgrade of a bike, but he is making the absolute most of it. So good job, Marshall Welton. Uh, you deserve uh, some kudos in this. So that's it for this week. Next week, the crew is off to Southwick. I will be home again as it's an NBC round. So I don't get to do television. Uh, But yeah, more exciting racing. Hopefully the, uh, the app issues are a little bit more sorted out. I I suffered through that a little bit this weekend. So I can certainly feel everyone's pain on that front. Um, Yeah. I wish I had a solution for it, but the racing has been great. 250 titles up for grabs, 450 titles up for grabs. Uh, So yeah, what more, what more could we really ask for? I think, uh, when is MotoG- or, uh, MXGP maybe back in action next week? Uh, I think they go to Lockett next is their next race. So talk about that a little as well. But thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to all the great sponsors of this podcast. And again, happy birthday, America. And I hope you all are enjoying this, uh, this Monday off.